Hello and welcome to the May 16th, 2019 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I've uh, been with you guys quite a bit this week, and of course, it's always wonderful to have you here with me, and I love to be out there with you as well. Well, that was certainly a different and unique introduction to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Um, in a great mood, as everybody can see, and... Um, this has been going on for quite some time now, and it is starting to get me a bit concerned as I await the either, uh, how do I put this, either the transition into full-fledged mania, which usually results in irritability and anger and all of those things, or literally just dropping down into a deep, dark depression because that is usually the way the cycle goes. Interestingly enough, as I sit here in this manic, hypomanic phase, um, I will say this, that I have not had one single bout or feeling of what we would refer to as a mixed episode, meaning no sadness at all throughout this period of hypomania. So I sit here and I say that I am still in hypomania, but there is a very good chance that I am crawling up into mania as we speak. Now, as crazy as this may seem, for the first time that I can recall, my hypomania or my mania has actually worked to my advantage in terms of recognizing some of the symptoms or at least some of the idiotic moves that Mr. Joe will oftentimes engage in when he is battling through a period of mania or hypomania. And I use the word battle very loosely because most of the time uh, Mr. Joe is in a very good mood like he is now. But as I slip into mania, what I ended up realizing is that during my hypomanic phase, uh, which I would consider to be, let's say, you know, the last week or so, I could be off on that, God only knows, uh, because I'll tell you right now, I do not remember a whole lot um, over the last four or five days. I really don't, so I would assume that that has a lot to do with the mania, because when Mr. Joe tends to forget things, that means he's in mania. But... It has worked to my advantage, and it has allowed Mr. Joe to recognize some of the mistakes that I've been making throughout my hypomanic, um, hypomanic, God, it's amazing. You know, really, I should be editing this part right now, um, because I sound like a complete idiot, but, you know, my hypomanic phase, my hypomanic state of mind. I couldn't come up with the word. So that's starting to happen with Mr. Joe, where I'm losing uh, bits and pieces of my words. Whereas, you know, a couple of days ago, man, I sounded like, I don't know. I mean, I could put sentences together and, and 
solve problems and I had opinions and, you know, just flowed out of my mouth. But nevertheless, let me get to the point here. Mr. Joe has made a number of mistakes over the course of the last week or so. And it took me until this morning to recognize what I had done. And normally I would say, you know what, I'm dropping back down into stability, which has allowed me to recognize the mistakes that I have made. You know, that's a common way that things go. You do something dumb while you're in mania, all of a sudden you drop down and you say, oh my God, why the hell did I do that? I'm telling you right now, there is no way that I have dropped any lower than my hypomania. In fact, I do feel as if I've gone up into mania. It has given me a level of concentration that I've never had before. So what I'm going to do right now is give you a couple of things that I've done um, that to some extent actually make me a little bit sick. And I just can't believe the type of person that I become when I am not in my right state of mind. And although I think that I'm being successful and I'm doing all the right things and nothing can touch me and I'm smart and I want to shout to the world, sometimes that is just not (laughs) the way things should be when it comes to bipolar disorder. Now, I would imagine many of you are going to be able to relate to some of this. And unfortunately, Mr. Joe has related to this on more than one occasion. When I woke up this morning, very easily, by the way, um, hopping around my house, you know, zippity-doo-dah, twiddling, or, you know, skipping and twiddling away, I went to check on my fantasy baseball team. And it just so happened when I hit the app and opened it up on my phone, I recognized that my Facebook app, which I never look at, really, um, in terms of the notifications, had about 22 notifications there, or 24, I don't remember exactly, but um, I said, man, what the heck could, uh, could people be writing to me about? I mean, you know, let me see what's going on here. And I logged on, and most of the notifications had to do with You know, this person's attending that thing, and this person invited you to like this page, and this person commented on your picture. And I said, what picture? Well, lo and behold, my biggest concern is the fact that over the course of the last five days, I have hopped on Facebook as if I know nobody in this world that I could just shout to the world that I have bipolar disorder because as I'm going through my timeline I am discovering post after post and quote after quote about bipolar disorder. Now mind you not only do I have family and friends who all know about my mental illness but I also have co-workers on there who do not know about my mental illness and you would think that Mr. Wackadoo Joe would understand that that is, while not something illegal to post, really in actuality, not something I should, I don't want to say worry about because, you know, then it becomes discrimination with employment. But you know what? Where I live, for the most part, you could be fired for any reason. And they don't have to say, that I have bipolar disorder to fire me. They can come up with something, which, you know, for all I know is maybe what happened at my old job. Who knows? Um, But here I have all these quotes 
and I have likes and comments and, you know, we're so proud of you and the struggle. And when I'm posting these things, I could care less over the last few days. As a matter of fact, I don't even remember posting them. I don't know where I got the quotes from. I don't know what they meant. I I don't know anything. So you know what I did? I deactivated my Facebook because what I started to do was go through my timeline and I'm seeing post after post and they have this option. I don't know Facebook very well um, at all because I was away from it for so many years and I decided to go back on for the sake of employment uh, based on my job and you know recruiting and things of that nature. Um, it slowly but surely moved away from the employment status or reasoning behind me joining. And before you knew it, people were reaching out and I was posting pictures and videos. And, you know, that's fine of the family, I guess. Um, But, man, when you start posting bipolar quotes and there are people that are on that particular social media outlet and have no idea that you have bipolar disorder and could potentially bring all that information back to the workplace, as far as I'm concerned, you're an idiot. And I don't mean you out there. I mean Mr. Joe is a complete idiot. So I deactivated Facebook because as I was trying to hide all these things from my timeline, I just kept going down and down and down and down. The time. And I'm saying to myself, I'm hiding and I'm hiding. And they're, they're all over the place. What the hell did I do? And what cloud was I sitting on while I was posting away? God only knows. But you know what? I deactivated my... Uh, Facebook. And uh, that's it. I'm not going back to it. At least I don't think I am until the next hypomanic or manic phase kicks in. And then I decide to log back in and reactivate it. Uh, But as of now, my brain has told me, Mr. Joe, you made a mistake. And I'm glad that I recognized it. Now, um, get ready for this one, guys. I mean, you are not going to believe what I did the other day. This I didn't recall until after I made, uh, after I deleted my Facebook, I started to sit and ponder about some of the other dumb things that I must have been doing. And lo and behold, I came up with this. So Mr. Joe walks into a co-worker's office at one of my locations. And let me, let me paint the picture for you very briefly. My location is very separate from the administration building in this particular location. And every once in a blue moon, I'll pop into the admin office. Um, you know, I, I don't need to go in there because the other part of that location is my building. So, um, there's really no need for me to go in there unless I want to say hi to some people. And as a matter of fact, there was one person I had to touch base with because now on top of everything else that I do, I've become the autism trainer, which means that um, in several states now, they require people who are going to teach to be trained in autism or at least take a three-hour course. And I am qualified to do that, so that's the next thing that I'll be doing. Um, nevertheless... I went in to talk with one of my coworkers who kind of set this thing up because I couldn't schedule it. I just, I had no time at all. And I, I said, you know, if anybody inquires or reaches out about this program, you, you know, you're going to be the one to set this up. I'll give you a date. I'll give you a time. Uh, fill up a class. I don't care what you do, how many there are, but I'm not doing this. And she was kind about it and, and understood. So I wanted to touch base with her yesterday because I did receive a number of emails in which I was CC'd on that um, 
indicated my next course or my initial course for autism is going to be a big one. So I was excited as much as I will be overwhelmed, you know, and we'll get into that in a minute, the other idiotic move I made. Um, I agreed to do this and I'm, you know, I love training and I'm looking forward to it to some extent. But let me get to the point here. So when I walked in the office, this dummy, okay, in her drawer, and I know it was in her drawer because her top drawer was open. And I, she, as she was sitting, I was kind of hovering over her. And she had her drawer open. And I couldn't help it. My eyes ventured over to her drawer. And what did I see in her drawer? But, <laughs> you got ready for this, a bag of marijuana edibles. And I couldn't help myself. I said, hey, you know, so-and-so, what is that? <laughs> And she did not hold back at all. I got to tell you, she was like, oh, I need this. This is what I rely on, yada, yada, yada. So you want to know what this idiotic moron does me? I know my connection, which is all medical marijuana, which I don't buy from anymore because I stopped smoking. Medical marijuana, the salesman that I was going to to purchase all you know, medically um, named marijuanas and edibles and all this stuff. I turned to this woman and I knew that I had my guy and I said, I sell those. Uh, she says, what do you mean you sell those? I said, I sell that. I said, I don't know you were into that stuff. I could, I'll give you that any time. Now, grant you, I have no idea how I'm going to get these things and hoping that my Buddy is still in existence. Worse off, what the hell am I doing thinking about selling drugs to a co-worker? So she turns to me and she says, I have money in my drawer. And all I'm saying to myself while I'm doing this is, wow, I can make some money and, you know, um, go back to dealing drugs. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I mean, really, what kind of a moron offers something up like that? Um, so you know what I realized? I, I haven't rectified the situation. I needed to be in that location today. So you know what I did? I didn't go. And I stayed here. Because now what I find myself doing is hiding from this woman. Because I don't have what she needs. And I'm certainly not making a phone call. Nor am I, am I driving around with that crap in my car. Or am I making an exchange at the workplace for drugs and money? I just don't understand. I really don't. I don't understand. This might be humorous to some of you. And I don't mean it in a mean way that you're laughing at Mr. Joe. I mean, like, you're probably just giggling or chuckling along about the fact that we both can't believe what I did. I mean, it's just completely idiotic, moronic. I mean, I don't know any other words to come up with. Stupidity. Uh, but that is ultimately what Mr. Joe did. So as I thought about the two dumb things that I recently did while in my hypomanic state, I have, of course, I could not help but to dig a little deeper and think about my week and go from, let's say, Sunday to current day. And I have to tell you, it is so sad, everybody, that I could look at a calendar, look at the day, um, and honestly... I don't even know what I do on certain days. And the only way that I would know is if I look at my calendar. 
So it certainly was not an easy task to come up with some of the dumb things that I did. But one of the other things that I recognize, and it goes back to Mother's Day, is based off the fact that, you know, I engaged in that spending that I was so adamant about not doing. Um, And I don't even know if I reported this because I don't remember it, but I was so elated about the fact that when I looked at my credit card, one particular credit card for a store, I had about $400 left on it. I had like 4000 I mean, I can't begin to tell you guys how much in debt I am. I think my wife figured it out the other day between the two of us in order for us to consolidate. Let's say we wanted to take all our bills and roll them into one payment. Um, and, and that would not even address one relatively big bill, and I can't recall. But a lot of it had to do with paying back some loans that my wife took out, um, you know, credit cards. We would need over $30,000 easily. And, and we're talking about, you know, credit cards and, and you know, little loans. Uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable. So, I don't know, maybe that's why I thought about selling marijuana edibles to try to get some extra money. Meanwhile, I... I I upped the price for five bucks. So believe me, I wouldn't be strolling out of any deals as a rich man. Anyway, um, so I had $400 left and guess what? I maxed out. I maxed out. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, and the only reason why I know is because ironically, the statement came through. And that just happened, I think, about 10.30 this morning. It popped up on my phone. I logged in. And for some reason, I said, hmm, I wonder if those transactions are there yet. And I could not believe my eyes. And then I had to think back to all the things that I bought. Race cars for Mickey and tracks for Mickey and this car and this truck and this water pick. Water pick. And this um, toothpaste. And I mean... Uh, guys, I, I don't even know what to say. So, um, that's that. Maxed out a credit card. And, and, and did it on purpose. Because I said to myself, man, this is great. I got all this extra money. I work hard. Might as well max it out. And you know, the other scary thing that I saw is I'm going through the transactions every month. You know what I see? A $50 transaction there that says interest. So every month that I you know, pay a minimum payment or give a hundred bucks or whatever it might be. <laughs> I, uh, I get banged for 50 bucks every month also. And I had no idea that was even happening. So one of the other reasons why we definitely need to consolidate somehow, some way and get this under control. Um, something else that has really, um, taken me by storm uh, over the course of today is the fact that Mr. Wackadoo Dummy Joe has essentially over the past week offered to do a hell of a lot more at work than I can handle. I mean, all I've spoken about is all the things that I have on my plate. And apparently I've volunteered to do quite a bit more. And I didn't know that until somebody asked me to do what I promised to do. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, you said you were going to do that. I mean, things that are not even within the realm of my job description. And I don't mind helping anybody. I would love to. It doesn't matter whether it's part of my job description or not. I mean, listen, let's put it this way. At one of my plants, 
uh, for some reason, maintenance doesn't do a whole lot there. So you know what I do? I scrub the bowls. I put on the gloves. I clean the bathrooms. I don't care. I'll do anything when it comes to taking care of my employment and my organization. None of that matters. But when you're overwhelmed and you start promising that you're going to do data entry and, you know, um, admissions entries of, of, of kids' names, and I, I don't even know. I, I cannot recall when I promised that I would do this. Can't recall. I have no idea. I have no idea. Apparently, I also have a dinner date with one of the uh, co-workers, and I'm going to introduce her to one of the school districts, and I didn't know that until I went into my text messages. So we got a real issue here. I mean, we really, really do. This is very frightening. I'm glad that I've recognized them now, and they're not major mistakes, because these are the reasons why, guys, we look back on the way that we've acted, and we just can't believe sometimes the trouble that we've gotten ourselves into. And, I mean... You know, we, we uh, obviously things can be a lot, heck of a lot worse than this, but, you know, these are the feelings for the most part that I used to get when, you know, the next day, and I'm not talking necessarily about being hungover. It didn't matter what kind of crap I felt like, even if I felt good the next day after, let's say, doing drugs, cocaine, or whatever. I mean, I would think back and, you know, I would feel like killing myself because I was so upset with the fact that I allowed my mania to control my overall ability to handle or to say no to illegal drugs. And I've said it many, many times, guys. I am not I am not the alcohol and drug user that tries to climb out of depression. That does not happen with me. My mania is what sparks the drug use and the alcoholism and all those things. And I have to say I'm very grateful, very grateful of the fact that over the course of the last week it has not even popped into my mind. I have not thought about drugs. I have no interest in drugs. Um, It's been quite a while since I have. As a matter of fact, I have not even had any dreams about drugs in quite some time. But, you know, here I am patting myself on the back about the fact that I stayed clean over the course of a hypomanic episode, when in reality, guys, I mean, you know, this is part of recovery. It doesn't matter what stage you're in, mania, depression, none of that matters. It doesn't matter. If you're in recovery, you have to recognize immediately when those cravings are coming on. You have to recognize the triggers to those cravings, whether it be places you've been, people you hang out with. You know, you have to recognize all that stuff and it takes many, many, many years to feel confident enough, at least for Mr. Joe, to be around people who are engaging in drinking and drugs and recognizing that you can't be a part of that and you're going to have to socialize sober. And I used to hate it, man, but I got no problem doing it now. As a matter of fact, when I do and I look around me, I can't believe what a bunch of dummies everybody looks like. And I say to myself, well, that was you once. That was you once, you know, dancing on the table and opening your shirt and having the buttons unbuttoned down to the middle and waving your hips around and, you know, uh, pumping the air as if like you're, you're a male stripper. Well, you have two beers in your hands, okay? Um, you know, when I see that, I could laugh at it now, but it's, it's, it's frightening to think back that, 
Mr. Joe engaged in that kind of stuff. I don't know if I ever reported on this, and this just popped into my head. I was such a maniac, and I'm going back to college, that I, and this includes my delusions and my paranoia. I had a woman who loved me in college um, uh, that I, I can't even explain. She would have done anything for me. She was there for me the entire time. Of course, Mr. Joe was a complete piece of garbage and was never really faithful to her in any way, shape, or form. However, I still had delusions and all of these paranoid moments as to thinking that she was cheating on me with fraternity brothers and, you know, just sick, sick, demented things that kind of carried on into my adulthood with my wife. My ex-wife, I didn't care. It was the weirdest thing. It's amazing how when you don't love somebody, how you just don't care. There were times where I woke up and I said, I wish she'd go out and cheat on me. (laughs) I mean, this is God's honest truth, but I recall, and, and I only bring this up because it's the same environment slash bar where Mr. Joe did his, um, you know, Chippendales dance on the table. Um, when I was DJing one night, I was looking into the crowd and I saw my girlfriend speaking to one of my fraternity brothers. And they were laughing. And that was enough for Mr. Joe to take all of the equipment from inside the booth and start throwing it onto the floor. And then as I got onto the floor, I started picking up bar stools and bar tables and throwing them and breaking them. And nobody understood what the heck was going on. I wouldn't even tell anybody why. And that's why. And uh, they didn't call the police on me. The owner asked me to leave. As a matter of fact, he hired me back. He never, well, he never even fired me. Um, But I did have to DJ quite a bit and pay for all that stuff. Uh, based on, you know, the paychecks that I received. Well, in college, you don't make a whole lot of money. And uh, as a DJ, I probably made a heck of a lot more than anybody else working over in college. But it didn't matter because every damn dime went to the, um, you know, the the items that I destroyed. Man, you want to think back to stupidity? I even think about the fact that, you know, I've talked about stealing when you're manic And the dumb things that we do. Do you know that when I was younger than 21 and I needed ID, in a fraternity you have what's called big brothers, okay? And I had a big brother who looked like me. He used to take care of me, you know, um, while the pledging was going on. He'd make me dinner and, you know, it was really great, actually. Great, great guy. And more importantly, he gave me his license because... I was under the age of 21, and it was for me to drink. And it worked beautifully, perfectly. And one day, during a vacation in which I was not at school, and I was in my hometown, Mr. Joe's neighborhood, I decided, and and this is going to be a blast from the past, everybody. If any of you out there recall the store blockbuster video... (laughs) I mean, I think one exists now in the world, but they were all over the place in Mr. Joe's neighborhood back in the day. So I went in with a buddy. I had the license. And what did I do at the time? I rented, I believe it was the PlayStation. I don't know if it was one, two, it wasn't three or four. It could have even been one. And along with that, I rented a whole bunch of games. And uh, normally people would say, well, what's the big deal? Rent it, return it. If you don't, you get a late fee. (laughs) Easy as that. Well, 
I rented it with my big brother's license with the sole purpose and intention of stealing it, meaning stealing the PlayStation and never returning it. And I will never forget the feeling. And, and let me tell you, me and my buddy, man, we played that PlayStation for months. And I'll never forget that I was in my public speaking class and one of my other brothers came over to me because now this big brother that I had was actually no longer in college. He had just graduated. Um, so he was no longer you know, taking care of me while I was pledging, so to speak. But he was still my big brother on paper. And this guy is talking to me through the classroom and he's mouthing something. And he's like, you know, uh, eventually I, I realize he's saying, you're dead. <laughs> Mike knows what you did. And that was his name, Mike. And, um, so raise my hand. Can I go to the bathroom? Well, in college, you just kind of walk out. And this, he's like, you are in big trouble. I'm like, what are you talking about? Mike knows about the, um, the, the PlayStation. I'm like, how does he know? So I called up Mike, and he's like, what's wrong with you? And I said, what do you mean, what's wrong with you? He's like, I just got a bill for an overdue PlayStation for over $3,000. $3,000! And I turned to him, and I said, it wasn't me, it was my friend. <laughs> and he said, well, you know what, just as guilty. If you allowed your friend to use my license, then you're just as much as a moron as I thought you were. And you want to know something? He could have easily fought that and said, you know, that's not... Because they wanted him to go in and look at the tape. Because apparently they had me on tape. They wanted him to go in, look at the tape, identify who the person was, or at least prove that it was not him which would have made me look even dumber when he went in after my lie and he realized that it was me. But regardless, he wanted no part of that. He just wanted his name cleared. And he was not going to take no for an answer. So his threat was very simple. If you don't pay this bill, here's what I'm doing. I'm going in to view the tape. And from that point on, whatever happens, happens to you from a legal standpoint. So I had to call old daddy. And he uh, sent me some funds, and every single dollar went to uh, the big brother. And uh, I don't remember what lie I made up as to why I needed it, but it certainly was a lie. Um, and, you know, guys, with bipolar disorder, unfortunately, there are usually a string of lies. It's, it's just the way that it is. We are, especially when we're not medicated, we are liars and manipulators and um, impulsive and it's it's just unfortunate that that's the way that it is. You know, when I speak about my children with autism that I work with, I always say the same thing. Every child is an individual. No child is the same. And that's the God's honest truth. Everybody needs a little bit different to help them because they're all individuals. Sometimes the therapy might be the same as the previous kids you worked with, but they're still individuals, and you go about everything differently when it comes to children with autism. It could be similar. As a matter of fact, it could be exactly the same in terms of, let's say, a treatment program. But they are individuals, and no matter what, Mikey is different from Johnny, and Johnny is different from Bobby, and Bobby is different from Charlie. They're all different. With bipolar disorder, yes, we're all different, but let me tell you something. Just like autism, that includes a specific 
number of symptoms such as self-stimulatory behavior, which is hand flapping and putting your hands over your ears, and um, something called echoalia, where um, they will repeat words over and over again, um, you know, or delayed echoalia, where they start to sing from movies and shows, and there are so many different uh, symptoms, but a lot of times with autism, there are a handful that are the same, regardless of whether they're individuals or not. Um, you know, communication could be a problem. Eye contact almost 95% of the times is nearly impossible for them while they are in the early stages of life. And many, many times it does not even get better. Um, but if you think about bipolar disorder, for the most part, all of the symptoms that we share are all basically the same. Yeah, we're all different people. We all definitely engage in different things while we're high, meaning high in mania. And many of us may not do drugs, while some of us can relate to Mr. Joe. So those are the different things. But in terms of having, let's say, bipolar 1, bipolar 2, and not being medicated, I don't care if you're a mixed episodes, a rapid cycler, I, I fully believe that we all more, more or less share the same qualities. And while you might not have all of them, you're definitely going to have some of them. And whether it's social anxiety, whether it's um, you know being conceited or overconfident or um, sexually active with, with multiple partners, I mean, you know, the unfortunate thing is the symptoms, you know, they, they relatively are the same for all of us with some of us, I guess, being luckier than others and maybe not having some of those symptoms. For Mr. Joe, even the symptoms that I never thought I would have, such as self-injury, which is more times associated with borderline personality disorder, which many, many months ago, Mr. Joe did a podcast on borderline personality disorder. And it, I, I do believe that I, um, if I was to get re... If I was to be off my medication and be re-diagnosed, I believe that would be part of my diagnosis. Um, I don't think that it would be now, although I certainly engage in some of those qualities. But with self-injury, a lot of times it's with by um, it does. It, and listen, it does happen with bipolar disorder, but very common with borderline personality dis disorder. And I always said to myself, I'm not going to be one of those bipolar people who cut themselves and hit themselves and hurt themselves. And little did I know, I was mostly doing it my entire childhood, if I really think back to it. I mean, really. I mean, there were times where I would smash my head into a wall out of anger. And many, many years later, into adulthood, you start to forget about some of those things, or at least they are presented to you in a way where, ah, you were just a teenager, you had hormones raging, you were going through some issues. And then when you're an adult and you start cutting yourself with a pair of scissors and digging as deep as you can into your legs and your arms and you start smashing your head against a brick wall or you take the front of your head and smash it into a, uh, not a washing machine, sorry, a front-loading dryer, so that the top of the dryer now has a head indenture in it. Or you bang your head on a wall where the clock comes falling down and it's glass and it falls all over you. And you don't care and you just sit there in the glass. And if you're bleeding, you're bleeding. Who cares? Now these are all real stories. These are all real stories. And Mr. Joe is always real and always honest with you. And um, 
You know, fortunately, we just don't always recognize the mistakes while they're happening because if we did, we wouldn't make them. Um, so I have to be very careful about where I am at right now in terms of my mood stability. And my best piece of advi- advice that I could give to my audience today is listen to this podcast and recognize whether or not you're doing some of the things that I'm doing. If you are, please stop. And if you're not, keep in mind that you are still vulnerable whether you're on medication or not. If you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to fight, continue to battle, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I cannot wait to be back. And I will see you guys in a few days. Everybody have an awesome day. Talk to you again real soon.